0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 153 of the Metabelas 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. And Elliot.
1: Hey, we're the Metabelas hey. 3 today.
0: His special <laughs> guest star, starring Elliot as a special guest. Yeah, glad to be here. And what are we talking about tonight?
2: So, yeah, Elliot, why are you here? Well, I'm here because we're going to talk about the Faceless Ones animation. Yeah. And my dad requested that I be on the podcast. Fair.
1: And you are one of the biggest Troughton fans that I know of, so I thought it'd be best to get your opinion on this momentous animation.
2: Right. So who wants to lead off? Uh, who who got it first? Who watched it first, I guess?
0: I think Elliot watched it first, didn't you, Elliot?
2: Yeah, I I really enjoyed the animation. I watched it on, I think it was the night that it arrived, and um, I was on my break. It, it was just... Really nice, opened up my break in the quarantine, and I uh, got to enjoy this story. I'm not sure I'd seen the surviving episode three. I think I saw the surviving episode one mm-hmm. a while back, but this mm-hmm. was a completely new experience. Mm-hmm. I opted for the version, the color version, because ah. I wanted to get a sense of the animation right away. So right. That's, Interesting. that's my experience with it. And I watched it all the way through. Did you
1: watch any of the Telesnap reconstructions or the extras or anything like that?
2: Uh, no, I didn't do that yet.
1: But you know the story before, right?
2: Yeah, my previous experience with the story was the audio CD mm-hmm. that that I listened to with the nar- linking narration.
1: Is uh, Fraser Hines do the narration for that?
2: Yes, he does, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that CD, and I've had it for several years, like since I was a kid, basically.
1: Okay. Did you encounter this first with Target Ben? Did you did you did you read the Target paperback or had you had much with this? I think this is a Terrence Dix one, right?
0: Yeah, um that's quite, it's quite a late Target one. Um mm-hmm. so I think I might have actually stopped reading the targets at that point. Mm-hmm. So I've not had a lot of experience with the Phasis ones at all to be honest, apart from watching the two Missing episodes on the Lost in Time. Um, I think that's really pretty much my only encounter with the eponymous faceless ones. So, yeah, this was almost a completely new story for me. I mean, obviously, I know what happens. Well, obviously, I know mm-hmm. what happens. The Doctor beats them.
1: <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's what happens in every story. Um,
0: but, I mean, I, I have an idea of what happens in the story, um, mm-hmm. I think. Um, though, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah having... Watched a full six episodes. Um, I now have a very good idea of what happens in the story.
1: Did you opt for the color version first? or did you... Yeah,
0: I opted for the color version, but then I also had my trusty copy of um, Doctor Who magazine's special edition, The mm-hmm. Missing Episodes, Ooh. Second Doctor Volume 1, mm-hmm. which was published in autumn of 2013, which mm-hmm. has all of the telesnaps for the uh, missing, all of the missing uh, Troughton episodes. So Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of follow along with the telesnaps a little bit.
2: So with the telesnaps, did it have, was it like those photo novels on the BBC website where they have a little bit of description at the bottom? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same. So there's basically, there's each telesnap. um, And then
0: to to the right hand side of the telesnap, it gives a little bit of description of what's going on around that particular snap. I see. Um so I mean I was able to kind of just do a little bit of comparison of how the animation was matching up with the uh, with you know what little of we what little we know of the action itself. Mm-hmm. So I mean I was a bit upset to see that um they had decided to axe sam's unusual hat <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that was probably the biggest costuming change but also they reduced the amount of polka dots on sam they did they
0: reduced her polka dots um and they axed her hat mm-hmm. and actually i mean it's one of her defining characteristics is her crazy hat so mm-hmm. i was a bit um i was a bit shocked by that but um i suppose it is ridiculous and actually i think probably the reason why they axed it is because if they'd kept it people would have said like that's just some mistake they've made right. in the animation
1: it looks very unrealistic when she's wearing it, a <laughs> live action, and I can only imagine it. It,
0: it does look as though like it's, it's just pasted on right. the top of her head. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I, th- I think that was sensible. But then again, I was also upset, um, equally upset, to see what they hadn't changed, which is when the British fighter jet takes off to uh, pursue the VC-10. It's not a British fighter jet at all. It's an Italian fighter jet Ooh. it's a fiat g19 which was never in use by the british air force ever mm-hmm. and that's always upset me a little bit and i was very much hoping um that they would change it to an actual british fighter jet but they didn't
1: huh i wonder why they were true to that and not the hat that would be the
0: question <laughs> i would ask Anne marie walsh or um our friend rob ritchie and like mm-hmm. why didn't you change it to something like a hawker hunter or like a phantom or something
1: yeah, I think that's a Rob Ritchie thing, because he would have
2: done the Jets and the 3D in the backgrounds. Yeah, and stuff.
0: so I've got a big bone to pick with him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, well, speaking of the animation not being entirely faithful, I still thought it did a really good job, because um, with the previous animation that they released, they made some alterations to the story. It wasn't just the cut scene. It was also, they added a prologue at the beginning from the previous story, and then did a bit of a few cuts to the soundtrack a little bit later, but as far as I know, this is entirely true to the soundtrack, with the soundtrack being intact.
1: Well, I found it really helpful with the animation in visualizing the story. This has always been a Doctor Who that's been really hard with the just the audio and the telesnaps alone. Because there's the scenes where Jamie's on the Faceless One's chameleon tour aircraft and just walking around the space station, which are really hard to... Visualize, And then the scene with the laser set up to burn through the doctor, Jamie, and Samantha, which was a little bit hard to visualize. So those type of things I thought were really helpful and really well served by the animation. Or to
0: to understand, actually, in many ways.
1: Um, Well, the way they composed the shot with the laser, I still didn't understand. So the doctor, I don't see how the... It would
0: have killed one of them.
1: Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. It should have been going across their bodies or even I don't know. It just it, it Yeah, I see what you mean. It seemed like a little bit of padding and needless padding to begin with.
0: I mean I don't know whether we want to get into like the details of the story at this point, but it I mean I I said I'm not I'm not hugely familiar with it as an actual story. Um but it seems mm-hmm. it seemed very James Bondy all the way through. Yeah. Uh you know, there was like a villain And there was some gas coming into a chamber and there was a laser that's going to laser our heroes (laughs) and uh, they don't actually kill our heroes. They just like set the laser going and then they just walk away. Right. And, you know, it's all contemporary at an airport. It's all kind of glamorous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was getting a strong kind of 60s James Bond vibe from it, especially with that laser, which is very Goldfinger.
1: Well, it's probably culturally inspired with James Bond films being very de rigueur in the 60s. But also with the Enemy of the World following on in the next season, I wonder if that was a a conscious uh, production decision to kind of have the James Bond ethos in Doctor Who, especially on the Earthbound stories.
2: Yeah. And I think, didn't they try to go further with that? Like they went further with the invasion and then with the entire John Pertwee era with that's that sort of was an inspiration wasn't it
0: yeah yeah I mean I think James Bond I think the Avengers I was getting a strong Avengers Ah, vibe from it you know someone is taking identities in a way that's not fully explained uh yeah so it's it's very very 60s Mm -hmm. um I felt
1: except for uh, neither Samantha or uh Gene Rock did much of the Emma appeal Avengers type or, or Bond girl type role. They were more traditional female supporting actors in a Doctor Who.
0: Well, I mean, Sam does fight. She does fight someone. I'm trying to remember who she fights now, but I remember thinking to myself, hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And wasn't in episode six? I think it is, yeah. With, it, it was the chameleon pretending to be Mendoz? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: and I remember thinking to myself, well, okay, that must have been hard to animate. But, I mean, the other thing about Sam, of course, she's from Liverpool, mm-hmm as you 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 two no doubt would have noticed with her <laughs> accent. Um, she's obviously from Liverpool, which again kind of locates her to do with the Beatles. Right. Um, Liverpool was obviously big in the 60s. Everyone loved Liverpool. So again, there's like a 60s thing there. So mm-hmm. they're trying to be... Uh, I mean, it's weird because obviously they introduced Polly and Ben to be kind of like, you know, young, hip 60s kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're kind of writing them out in this one and right. then sort of trying to reintroduce another... 60s kid but even more kind of 60s i.e she's from liverpool but then she doesn't want to be in the show so then they right. start with victoria um who's 100 <laughs> percent not from the 60s maybe the 1860s um <laughs> and also not from liverpool
1: mm-hmm. with ben and polly garrity martin garrity got ben right this one i was very impressed with his his cartoon rendition of ben jackson
0: yeah i thought they were a lot better than in the macro i i recognize them far more clearly
2: mm-hmm. and in power all the characters or just ben
0: uh ben and polly um did, did martin garrity do the character design for for the yeah uh he did well mm-hmm. he's obviously he's refining his ben and polly rendition because mm-hmm. i thought they were a lot more convincing
2: yeah, I thought Ben in the Macrotero was just fine, but the the Ben in Power of the Daleks animation was kind of weird to look at. I thought
1: it almost makes me wonder if they want to go back in a special edition and fix Ben and fix
2: some of the <laughs> shortcomings that they had in Power with these improved models. Well, I strongly doubt that there would be much financial incentive to redo Power. I mean, it's already sold a lot of copies. I mean, do you think it'll? Do you think they would do it for this box set or something?
0: Well, I mean, if they do a Blu-ray. Of this season, which, I mean, they're going to have to eventually. Um, That would be a really good um, way to kind of hook folks into getting the Blu-rays. Like, we've redone the animation, so Ben looks more like Ben, and you know, etc. Maybe we're going to do, we finally worked out how to do the um, rough tumble Mm -hmm. machine, whatever it's called. Um, We'll reintroduce that as well. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we can see those are reasons where, you know, then they would, oh, yeah, then, you know, people would then go out, definitely go out and buy the Blu-ray.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because these have been released on Blu-ray. Uh, all the animations have already had a Blu-ray release. So that would give BBC Studios an extra way to entice us who
2: fans back for a double dip.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And yep.
2: are you thinking they would do an entirely new animation or would they take their existing assets and sort of touch it up a bit? What do you think they would do?
0: I don't know enough about animation to make an opinion. I I would assume you could just, like, lop his head off and, like, plonk a new head on top Mm -hmm. of it, but maybe you can't.
2: I'm not sure that's how it works. (laughs) I'm not
0: sure that's how it works either. I'm not sure they would have kept
1: the files for power. You'd be surprised. They've
0: wiped the files? Well, I don't know for certain, but you'd (laughs) be
1: surprised on how little, once a production is finished, that files are kept around.
2: Wiped again? I would think that at least for, like, major movies, they would keep those files like they're really like they would keep all the footage for the new series of doctor who that they film i would think you know as a backup or you don't think so i
1: i would guess not i think it would be uh, a lot of it would be wiped even uh, murray gold has wiped a lot of his original scoring for doctor who he does not keep things around he i mean that's why we don't have a series 10 audio release is because i believe he d- didn't keep the files cuz he had moved on he had he he huh. was done with doctor who
2: well that's terrible well yeah um <laughs> well, <laughs> so
0: is it, that is i mean did he write down did he do notation for the
1: music i honestly don't so, know more beyond that and i i do know that he well, doesn't okay, keep things well, around and uh, he has no real pressing interest to do a series 10 1 and he says i'm not even sure i have the files anymore so we okay. will see well, okay. Fair, fair, all right. So I would hope they wouldn't have to do a remount entirely if they were to go back and tweak power, but you never know.
2: Yeah. Interesting. One thing is yeah. interesting
1: also with this, they use Toon Boom for Macra and they went back to Flash Animation or Adobe Animator is what I guess the officially is called then. But this is a return to Flash Animation which debuted with the invasion in the Doctor Who line so this is back to standard yeah. form
0: i didn't find the animation as satisfying as for macro right it felt very much like flash animation to me which of course is correct because that's what it is um i like the animation better on macro than i did here
1: i would concur with that i think the character designs heavily influenced by just the way garrity realized ben really i think stood out but just the animation style i think was a little bit more retrograde than what they had with tune boom yeah
2: well you you've said that the invasion animation is actually your favorite so that that doesn't necessarily mean that flash animation is bad
0: um so why does anyone know why they switched back to flash no i don't rather than tune boom is there a difference between the two
1: definitely is different software company that makes it and it could just be that they had animators they used 15 animators for faceless ones and maybe they were able to find 15 animators to use or has that had experience with flash animation and maybe they're okay. harder to find toon boom animators or maybe they Interesting. maybe they had a bad experience with toon boom after all and decided to go back
0: it's certainly a more irritating name <laughs>
1: uh that that usually is the deciding point in these uh, ways of choosing software so yeah probably
0: it would work for me i mean i did watch the i watched the documentary on how they animated it yeah. um but they didn't say like why they why they switched to flash they just said we're doing it on flash now mm-hmm. deal with it mm-hmm.
2: well i didn't watch the documentary could you tell me a little bit about that
0: uh yeah, it's really all it is, it's about the animation. So there's no kind of interviews with the cast, you know, they don't wheel on Pauline Collins and
1: <laughs> ask her
0: how that hat actually worked in real life. Mm-hmm. Um it's just Amory Walsh, the director, and then Martin Garrity, and then a bunch of the animators. And and Rob and Rob Ritchie, though again he doesn't reveal why he chose <laughs> not to update the fighter jet to something that was actually realistic.
1: Rob had only like two minutes at the very end, I think.
0: He does. He does he's, he's, he's definitely not on it very much. It's mainly Martin Garrity and it's mainly some bloke um, who's one of the animators and then two other people who are also the animators. I was very, very angry to see that um, Anne-Marie Walsh um, has an original page from um, Adrian Salmon's uh, Cyberman story for Doctor Who magazine. Uh, yeah. something I covered massively um, mm-hmm. and I'm jealous that she was able to get one and I haven't got
1: one. Well, you got to hire aid for some work. She has aid doing the coloring. Um,
0: When I contacted him like three or four years ago, he said he'd sold them all. Oh. (laughs) So I don't know whether she'd bought one before then or whether he's keeping some, like, stashed away for his special friends. I don't know. Mm,
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a photocopy.
0: Could be. Could be just a photocopy (laughs) in a frame. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh The
1: one thing that Anne-Marie Walsh, the director, producer of this, had to say was she was no longer animating tartan so Mm. makes you wonder if that's a red herring that the next one that they are going to do is the highlanders with all tartan
0: all tartan all the time well i mean i think the simplification they did for um sam's dress you know which is quite a Mm -hmm. complex kind of op pattern with just dots again may kind of indicate you know what approach they might take to tartan um and i think Mm -hmm. also this is interesting because, I mean, essentially the faces ones is just men in suits standing in rooms talking about stuff, mm-hmm. which is actually quite boring um, to watch. And, you know, the Highlanders is also kind of men standing around, this time dressed in tartan, and they're outside, but they're still just talking about things. So mm-hmm. we will see.
1: Yeah, we will see. The fight scene, I think, was probably the most awkwardly bit of animation in, in it between Meadows and Sam and then uh, Wanda Ventham. A gene gene rock character yeah. at the end i thought so uh men standing around in suits or men standing around in kilts might be uh, what the flash is really good at
0: and that's maybe why they why they switched to flash possibly maybe it's better for the suit thing <laughs> i don't know yeah
1: yeah they liked animating crossland which was played by bernard k who's in colony in space yeah and all things. yeah but then they also liked uh who who's the head of the airport? Was it Jenkins? Um, uh,
0: the commandant, uh, which a, commandant, which is like a weird title for someone who's head of an airport. Well, maybe that's. Do we ever know his name? We must know his name at some point. I think it was just referred to as the commandant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which kind of gave the whole thing a sort of base under siege feel to yeah. it a little bit to
1: me. A little bit. It was yeah. They liked animating him, too, so they did a lot of uh, special things with his lips and his eyebrows and stuff with that. And they seemed to pay Owens more attention to him than they did with Pat Troughton's animation in some ways.
0: Yeah, I wasn't very convinced by the police inspector's moustache that I thought was quite poorly done.
1: (laughs) Inspector Crossland's little pencil (laughs) moustache. Yeah,
0: as much as I also wasn't very convinced by his Scottish accent, which he was attempting to do all the way through. Um, until he became a chameleon, mm-hmm. um, and then he dropped his Scottish accent, thank God, because it was very <laughs> unconvincing. Much in the way that um, Fraser, Fraser Hines' mm-hmm. attempt to do an English accent was also relatively unconvincing. So, not quite sure why... <laughs>
2: well, what well, about well,
0: uh, Fraser Hines...
1: Isn't he English?
0: Uh, Fraser Hines is Scottish. What? Um, I thought. But when he was a when he was a chameleon, he was doing an English accent.
1: I thought he was English doing a Scottish accent. Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, Fraser Hines is. <laughs> yeah. He's An
1: English actor, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's called Fraser. Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> he was born in Horsford
0: Really? I assumed he was actually Scottish.
2: Mm-mm. He has. He just has relations. <laughs> really? Hang on. Well, he did a really good job then.
0: No, I'm very. I'm very impressed now. <laughs> anyway so i thought the accents were a little bit like all over the place mm. yeah how
2: about samantha's uh
1: liverpudlian accent
0: yeah she i mean she's from liverpool so that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. she's one of
1: the liver birds oh.
0: one of the liver birds yeah yeah okay, okay. oh what? hang on hang on so i've just gone to wikipedia it's um so heinz mm-hmm. was he was born in leeds so he was born in the north of mm-hmm. England. His mother was Scottish and came from Glasgow. Yeah, oh. there you go. Oh, see. That
2: makes sense. So, he had it at home.
0: Yeah. There you go. Anyway, mm-hmm. which is why it's called Fraser, I guess. That makes <laughs> sense. All right, carry on.
2: So yeah, Dad, speaking of the Troughton animation not being entirely convincing, one of you said that. I, I remember you telling me earlier that the Troughton and Jamie animation seemed a little off to you. Do you want to elaborate on that?
1: Ooh, well, I can speak to Troughton. Troughton was a heavy smoker and drinker, as from what I can understand, and he ages very rapidly through his three years of doing Doctor Who. And if you're using the same face models and animation kit that you started out with, power, by the time you get even what is it, hmm. uh, six, seven months later, in uh, in faceless ones. He's he's aged a lot in his face, especially under his eyes and the lines around his mouth. So I think he looks a little young in the faceless ones and mm-hmm. again with such an elastic face that Patrick Troughton has when he's acting. I see. It's really hard to do economical animation animation on a budget like which is what they do here for the faceless ones to really capture Patrick Troughton. So Right, that's my take on it. He looked a little young, and he still looked animated. He didn't look like an actor, but that—that's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not—not not any real, real knock against it. It's just he's not quite as uh, young-looking in the faceless ones as he is in power.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they're—they're they're all cartoon characters now. <laughs> it's a different medium.
0: Well, I mean, I was thinking about this as I was watching. A, I thought the Troughtons. I mean, he has a very expressive face and a very kind of lined and, you know, in some ways easy to mm-hmm. draw face. Um, I thought that his upper head was too big.
1: Yeah. All the characters' heads were rather large.
0: He was more kind of light bulb head shaped when actually it should be more of a kind of a pear shaped mm. face. And I, would, I actually some of what I was thinking actually quite a lot of the way through is that what they maybe should be trying to do is do more, actually make them more caricatures than try and actually make them kind of read. I mean, because obviously they've stopped, I mean, after Macra and actually during power too, they've really stopped pretending that this is kind of a reproduction mm-hmm. of as it was filmed. And they're actually making something mm-hmm. sort of relatively new at this point. Um, And I would be interested to see these characters more as as caricatures and less of kind of attempts to kind of realistically depict someone. Oh, yeah. I mean, not a kind of, you know, ridiculous sort of, you know, Donald Trump style Mm -hmm. caricature, but, you know, just slightly more exaggerated features. And I think I feel those would possibly be easier to animate. And also would be more true to your experience of watching them. Because I think when you see someone, especially someone like Pat and when they're acting, they are kind of being a caricature. I mean, right. he, you know, caricature comes from the word character. You know, he's being a character. You know, he's exaggerating aspects of his own personality and his own features in order to present a character. So I I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a little bit too risky at this point. But um, I'd certainly be interested in seeing how that would work.
2: Yeah. Well, I remember when you were talking about the macro animation when I listened to your podcast. Mm. Before they actually made it, you, you suggested that, <laughs> you know, maybe they, they could do it in the style of Yellow Submarine or Myth Makers yeah. they could do in the style of oh, yeah. um, Hercules <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what so you... I
2: have listened to that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I mean, I think, I, again, on this podcast, I've opined that, you know, when they get around to doing... um. Space Pirates it needs to be done in Super Mario Nation <laughs> like Jerry Anderson. Yeah.
1: That could work. A lot of model shots in Space Pirates and
0: huge number of model shots. It would be awesome. <laughs> they should totally do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Probably won't be.
0: No, I Well, not I mean they they definitely <laughs> won't, but they should do. They should do.
1: So, what did you make a Benedict Cumberbatch's mom Wanda Ventham in there as Jean Rock? How did you like her as an animated character.
0: I thought she was good. Again, I mean, I think there are too many characters.
1: This was a huge cast. This has had like 15. There's Mm Gene Rock.
0: There's like, the nurse. There's Sam. There's Polly. There's Jamie. There's Ben. There's the doctor. There's the commandant. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of chameleons. That's true. Um, Yeah, I see what you mean. There's the air traffic controllers and their friends. There's the passport taking guy. A lot of characters, Mm a lot of characters. Um, There's the evil, the head of the chameleons, King Chameleon, that's what I call him. (laughs) Um, One thing I was thinking as I was watching the chameleons is that they're they're kind of um, planet naming conventions, a very, very Terry Nation. I mean, they call themselves the chameleons. Mm -hmm. Because they take on the appearance of other people, mm-hmm. much like a chameleon yeah, does. Go figure. Um, I'm, <laughs> I was hoping their planet was was going to be called <laughs> Um but it it seems odd that they sort of call their airline right. Chameleon Airlines,
2: Chameleon Tours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't that sound like a weird name for an airline?
0: It is an odd name for an airline. Yeah, um, and it is a bit of giveaway for their evil plan as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: this is an early Mac Hulk script he teamed up with David Ellis to come across. But I think there's a lot of Mac Hulk signatures in here where the chameleons aren't necessarily evil, just misguided. And pulling out the social dynamic where the chameleons, some chameleons have their human duplicates on board the spacecraft and others are locked away back on Earth. That class system exactly. Uh, exactly. was exploited for the Doctor's leverage.
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, what do we think of the chameleons plan? I mean, let's just call them the chameleons. I mean, I don't know what their actual planet name is. But anyway, what do we think of their plan? A good one? Good plan?
2: Hmm. (laughs) Um,
0: I think it's a not I don't think it's a very good plan. It's confusing. Um, It's overcomplicated.
1: So they're still alive. I, are they dying because of the explosion on their planet? I don't know.
2: It looks like they just lost their identities. Which is was what the problem was. Obviously, so that's something that happens in explosions. <laughs> you lose your identity and then have mm-hmm. to go and
0: steal other people's. I mean, is this the first appearance of the shapeshifter in Doctor Who? Have we had shapeshifters before? Hmm... I mean, and by shapeshifter, I mean aliens that can take on other people's identities. I
1: think this is the first... No, we haven't.
0: I think this is the first... This is the first, yeah. Well, no, oh. we
1: had the robot in the chase who was William Hartnell, the Doctor. A very convincing first Doctor that the Daleks had, the Dalek replicant.
0: That's true. But that's not really a shape-shifter, though. That's no. more the Daleks making right. an android that looks like the Doctor. Right. But, yes, you could say. But I, th- I think this is the first alien race who can do this. Mm-hmm. And, again, I think it's a very 60s idea. I'm thinking, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, you know, is a famous kind of allegory for communist infiltration. Mm-hmm. So obviously I think it's probably a movie that Mac Hulk would be would have been familiar with and actually probably a movie that everyone would have been familiar with. So you've got a pretty standard kind of sci-fi thing, but it's the first time that sci-fi thing has happened in Doctor Who. I just don't think that the plan, I mean, the plan is we're aliens, we've come to a planet, we need 50,000, which is actually not that many, <laughs> um, 50,000 people, in order to take their identities so that we will have identities again, whatever that means. Right. Um, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to set up a tour company based at Gatwick airport in Southern England. <laughs> and we're going to have a special airplane or one or two special airplanes that kidnap these people and they shrink them down to right. a small size. So we can put them in drawers like
1: tissue off- compression, if you will,
0: uh, if, if you will. Um, I was, yeah, I was really hoping that the master was going to be involved. Of course he wouldn't be. And then um, in order to stop people being suspicious, we're going to arrange for postcards to be sent from their <laughs> destinations, their far-flung destinations, places unimaginably far away from Britain, like mm-hmm. Rome. Mm-hmm. And that will stop people being suspicious when 50,000 people go missing. I don't think they thought their plan through well enough. And I think it's a good thing the doctor steps in to foil their plan, because I think it would have fallen apart pretty quickly without, even without the doctor's yeah.
2: intervention. So, That's Doctor pretty
1: much saves them from themselves. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: he kind of does actually. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, Ben, so if you were the Chameleons' director, do you would you have a better plan for them if you were trying to achieve the same goal? I certainly would not be describing myself as like as the most intelligent creature in the universe, <laughs> which is a, 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 more a,
0: intelligent a, than the Doctor. A, a, a little, a little, a little bit hyperbolic, <laughs> possibly. Um, uh, I, I would, I would just be nice. I go like, sorry, we've lost our identities. Can we have some new ones? <laughs> I don't know what I'd do, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe i go to the Time Lords and say, can I have some of your good regeneration energy? Um, and we just regenerate. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a cyber... It's, it's basically, it's a collection of kind of 1960s Avengers, Avengers of the Body Snatchers, James Bond. It's a collection of kind of set pieces around particular aspects of kind of 60s thrillers assembled into the appearance of a Doctor Who plot yeah mm-hmm. yeah that makes that's sense. my yeah. take on the faceless ones yeah
1: how, how did you like the modeling of the faceless ones they they seem to have faces to me
0: yeah I, again i mean i'm i'm a huge fan of martin garrity so I, i'm loath to criticize the design but i was expecting to be more auton like i with no identity i mean really right. okay we need to have human identities because we've got no identities Mm-hmm. But they seem to be more chameleon like I mean they were kind of green,
2: mm. yeah, they had
0: kind of scaly yeah. necks well
2: in any of the pictures or tele or something, you see the chameleons on the front to see what the they actually look like,
0: yeah, I mean they're kind of they kind of like had peeling sort of skin, I mean they're kind of horrible looking
2: Yeah, because I, re- I remember seeing the back of one of their heads in the end of the episode,
0: yeah, um, so I was expecting more sort of a skin peeling appearance. Mm-hmm. Rather than the kind of chameleon style appearance.
1: Yeah, I think Garrity was going for a melted cheese. type Yeah, of
0: look. yeah, more of like a fondue sort of approach. Yeah, melted cheese. They should have had faces a bit more like pizzas. Yeah. I was expecting them to be more gross looking. Yeah. To be honest, that was
2: well, that's what I was expecting. Yep, instead of melted yeah. cheese. Maybe just. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. just not have faces at all. I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like autons. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, obviously the autons are the are the kind of prime. Invasion of the Body Snatchers style shapeshifters.
2: Yeah, they'll be like autons, but more like yeah. with a crust yeah. or something. Like, and the front of their heads would probably look like the back of their heads that we got to see, like at the cliffhanger at the end of episode one.
0: Yeah,
1: I was just a little bit surprised to see so much definition in the face for the faceless ones in the animated form because they're pretty hard to pick up any kind of distinguishing features in the surviving pictures and telesnaps of the faceless ones in episodes. Uh, yeah, but, but whatever. I think it worked for what what they needed to do. It was definitely a surprise, but certainly rolled with it. And by the time that they appeared on the screen, you know, we were swept up and going along with the animation for the most part.
0: Yeah. I'm always curious with these animations, especially when they're animating things that really literally no longer exist. I We haven't really got any pictures. We've probably got one full frontal picture of a faceless one. Um, do you think they ask Annika Wills, like, do you remember what they looked like? Hmm. Or Pauline Collins? Can you tell us? Can you maybe sketch one on a piece of paper for us?
1: <laughs> Here, talk to our police artists.
0: I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, you know, I mean, they were there. They probably saw, actually, mm-hmm. really saw what they looked like.
1: I know for... Annika Wills for the rendition of Polly uh she would always push back on uh, how she would look and say no uh you know she looked a little different she's a little flatter less busty right. type conversations but i'm not sure that she was consulted or anyone was really consulted who was part of the cast for how do these things look? Because I think there's enough surviving material that they can do it, and you have to respect Garrity and the true, artists, true. And animators, to deliver the way they want to. No, that's true. Uh, present this.
0: What did we think of
2: the Easter eggs? Oh, like the master? Yeah, uh, I don't care. <laughs> doesn't really matter. Fair, fair comment. There the Magpie Electricals. they saw Magpie that Electricals.
0: The... Um, there's the International Electromagnetics, or whatever. Electro, electro. Ah, International Electro. <laughs> Electromatics Electromatics yeah Tobias's Vaughn's outfit um Was advertised quite prominently I, I saw hmm. Um,
1: The one that I liked best Probably was Hickman Oil Hickman Oil yeah. I spotted that That was Hickman. Pretty,
0: uh, pretty prominent There yep. There's a yep.
1: newspaper with the war machines Defeated kind of partially there On a close up scene Oh
0: I didn't see is that when they were reading the newspaper upside down
1: no, that was in, I think, episode five, right before uh, the Commandant picked up the telephone or maybe Gene picked up the telephone.
0: Okay, I'll have to give that a rewatch. Take a look. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like those. I think I'm happy for them to have more of those. I think they're fun. I mean, they make it fun for, you know, fans. Yeah. Not that anyone who isn't a fan isn't going to be watching this, but you know what <laughs> right. I mean.
1: I think it's nice. It's a little bit of eye spy going on there, especially I have heard the faceless ones quite a few times, and so I found mm. myself kind of drifting off, and by putting those in there occasionally, it did help me focus in back on what's going on on the screen rather than wondering why Annika Wills's hair as Polly waved, particularly the weird way that it did, or being focusing on how someone's uh uh shoulders are moving or bodies were moving and how straight everyone was standing type type things.
0: Yeah, yeah. i um, I mean I could, I could I could have done with more of those. I mean I'm I'm perfectly happy for them to do more of those if they want.
1: Well, they probably have ample opportunity if they do the Smugglers or uh the Highlanders to slip in some more uh, yeah.
0: callbacks. Some of those famous Famous uh, 18th century advertising hoardings, advertising mm-hmm. magpie. Ye oldie magpie, electrical, <laughs> electricals.
1: My my favorite. My favorite was for Esco Gas. The advertising there, kind of a teaser for the Fury from the Deep. I thought Fury was from the Deep exactly fun. Yes. So building this larger Second Doctor world with uh, the upcoming animation of Fury. I that was probably my favorite Easter egg.
0: Yeah, yeah. The. Um... The expanded Trouton universe, or something. <laughs> yes, they all, all the takes universe. place in the Trout same universe in the same universe, which of course it does. So
1: yeah. How about the pacing? Did you think this had six episodes worth of material, or do you think it would have been better as a four-parter? Or? No, 4
2: I, I I wouldn't cut anything. I I thought it was really yeah. I mean, oh. I watched the whole thing all the way through, and it uh, con- was consistently entertaining and never got bored at all.
1: Huh. Do you have a favorite episode or a favorite part of the story that you particularly
2: like? Um, I like the part in episode two where they go into the uh photo booth <laughs> ah, that's funny that bit
0: yeah you're right. that is amusing
2: for me. The one piece I
1: mentioned this earlier, the scene with the laser just seemed superfluous. I didn't understand the purpose, and it just yeah, that smacked to me a padding
2: so that 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 makes sense. Um, do mm-hmm. do they have tele snaps of that scene? Did it, Do they know if it looks like it did in the animation?
0: Yeah, hang on. I'm just looking at my telesnaps snaps right now. In fact, wait a second. Yeah, I'm pretty well, sure. Well,
2: with the telesnap
1: snap uh, illustration that they did on disc three of my DVD set, they just have a light moving, so it's not a laser. So it was much more dramatized from at least what they did at the tele snaps. I see.
0: Yeah, and they are they are lying in the same position. So I mean I mean that's what's as. David was pointing out that is what's weird is that the, the, all they had to do was just turn them in another direction and it would right. have made sense. Right. But the way that they had it, it would just have killed right. one of yeah. them. Right. <laughs> and actually, to be honest, um, he could have just shot them all and they would have been killed <laughs> yeah. more quickly and also more efficiently and actually also have been killed. Um, you think
1: they would have hanged on for the bodies that they needed? You know, they could have had 50,000 three then.
0: Oh, that's true. Because I mean, yeah, because eventually they're, yeah, No, they're, that's entirely right. They're, they're after bodies. I mean, they're a bit like Cybermen, you know, I mean, they do need, <laughs> they need human bodies. Um, It's weird that they would reject three good specimens like that. So
1: my understanding is they only need the bodies until they're entirely drained of life, and then they're okay. So because I always thought the loose part of their plan was they were just keeping these bodies in, in the car park in the gatwick airport
2: and yeah where they would never be found
1: <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> it's
0: it's 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 unlikely they would ever be found that that's, that's that's true um yeah that's another that's another slightly weak part of their plan to be honest
1: my guess is they wouldn't be found in time once they were all drained but it it's unclear it seemed it seemed a bit weird and then all you had to do is pull off the Remote from their arm, and they would turn into pools of uh, green goo.
0: Yeah, and then they had that weird because they had their ray gun, which kills you, and then they had the weird pencil that freezes you. Yeah, but only freezes you for the amount of time that you need for them to get away or something, Mm -hmm. and then you just Mm -hmm. kind of wake up again.
1: Yeah, it's stun powder.
0: Yeah, a kind of a sort of indeterminate. Length of stun, stunnage from the stun, the stun, the stun, mm-hmm. stun
1: pen. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, they could have had a better plan, and if yeah, they the could. doctor really saved them from themselves.
0: I think he did. I mean, I again, I mean, just to go back to last week's podcast, I'm I, I'm upset the say the faces Ones haven't haven't appeared again. Um, hmm. Classic, they're hmm. classic enemies. Um, you
1: know, if they would have been found instead of the enemy of the world, we would have had for the. Uh, true. <laughs> we would have had instead of the great intelligence we would have had the uh uh ins- chief inspector or whatever Cross uh, the faceless them. ones yeah exactly the, yeah. the our leader or whatever
0: yeah yeah um have they, they they've never been big finished have they
1: mm,
2: i don't know well um the doctor said that he would help them out and possibly give them some pointers to solve their problem maybe mm. maybe it was su- su- successful yeah,
1: hmm.
2: yeah.
0: Maybe they're like um, no. I I'm, I'm not seeing anything on the internet that says they've ever really appeared again. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it's you know it's the director. It was he was called the director, right? Yeah, it was the director yep. who was the bad guy. It was the bosses. Mm-hmm. It's the bosses who are evil. I mean, this is Matt Hulk, as we just pointed out. Yep. Um,
1: Gunned in the back. Too. Yeah,
0: the kind of the the regular faceless ones. They're just victims mm-hmm. of the of the class system that's imposed by the um, by the ruling classes. So yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if it would have been more uh, dramatic or uh, something at the time because I was kind of – I noted to myself how unfazed I was by uh, Jamie getting shot down. or It was the faceless one, Jamie, but getting shot down right in the end of episode six along with the director. If that would have been a little more, but uh, nope, I guess not.
0: Yeah. I, I think I was fine with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah i guess we all everyone knew it wasn't jamie but you could have you can imagine if they were doing series series four trailers at that uh-huh. time that would have been the scene of jamie getting shot would have been on that trailer and people would have been going is this where is is this where jamie bites it
0: yeah exactly fraser Hines, uh-huh. the half scottish the half scotch fraser Hines. This is this where he finally finally goes how do we feel about the the writing out of Ben and Polly? That's mm. I think sad actually. That yeah, they sort of just get sidelined, and then the Doctor just said goodbye and off they off they pop basically. Exactly, which is a shame because they um because they're good characters. I like I like I like Ben and Polly. I,
2: I remember reading that they were originally just gonna write out Ben because they felt that the cast was too big with Jamie, Ben, Polly, and the Doctor. Fair, but then they both wanted to leave at the same time. Mm-hmm. is what I what I read. Annika Wills you with
1: know. go with uh, Michael. Krais. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it but they they, uh-huh. they they really liked Jamie and the Highlanders, so they thought we'll bring him along. And then once he was there, it sort of messed up the dynamic that they already put in place. So, mm-hmm. and I think I read somewhere that their contracts end, and that was just a pre-filmed insert for episode six. Oh really?
0: Oh right. So they only really paid them for two episodes. Yeah. Well, oh, fair enough. I mean, it's it's
2: license payer's money. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm used to the story, but it's yeah. it is kind of odd how they just disappear with, you know, especially Ben, without a trace. You know.
1: Yeah, I would have liked to see them more as the faceless ones, or even Polly being the air stewardess rather than the air stewardess. I'm guessing she was French or whoever. She looked French. Yeah, I I think that would have been a better role, and then have Ben in there, because then it would have played. I think better as a farewell story that they just didn't want any more part of right, this lifestyle, sort right. of what they did with Victoria. But just to realize that they were back on July twentieth, nineteen sixty-six or sixty-seven yeah. or whatever the whatever year they were in, and they could get back to their life, and Ben could go be an admiral, and Polly could look after him. <laughs> that just didn't lead a very satisfying crunch in my mouth for departures
0: no i mean it felt very much it felt exactly the same as barbara and ian you know they get back to where they came from and they mm-hmm. go like great okay see ya we're going right. now bye mm-hmm. which is fine but they already did that with barbara and ian so um let's have something different
1: it worked really well for barbara and ian i thought it didn't work well for yeah
0: because they were desperate to get mm-hmm. back i mean they that's what they've been trying to do since they first accidentally got onto the right. Ben and Polly. Really haven't expressed a huge amount
2: of interest in going back to London. Right. Well, I've I've heard it compared to like Dodo's departure, where she sort of just <laughs> leaves. <laughs> you know. So so that Ben and Polly yeah, similar uh, left in the same way Dodo left, and they arrived. So mm-hmm. maybe you know.
1: Well, Dodo is even worse. Is she left off screen. Just send the Doctor my love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doctor Who is required. Dodo is not.
0: Dodo is not required. <laughs> They just had Jackie Lane on um on the internet, really. Yeah, they had some we I couldn't really follow what was going on, but they've got some kind of they had some kind of virtual convention on Twitter the last couple of days, Hmm. or something. Anyway, but Hmm. they they got Jackie Lane to record a a a hello, which is amazing because no one's really even knows what she looks like. Um, Well, she's
1: in France now, Paris. I thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um,
1: far away from Doctor Who fandom is.
0: As is humanly possible, at least 60 or 70 miles away from the British coast. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's pretty far. It's almost as far as uh, London is to Rome.
0: That's true. Or Zurich. Or Zurich. (laughs) Goodness.
1: The other exotic location. I can just
0: imagine parents getting a... Sp- oh, yeah, he's in Zurich. <laughs> well, we're never going to hear from him, from him again, but I guess he just stayed in Zurich. Fine, mm-hmm. cool. All right, we'll just forget about him you now. You
1: can hear the Beatles. She's leaving home and playing in the background. Yeah, exactly. It's the 60s,
2: and <laughs> yeah, all yeah.
0: young people were trying to get to Zurich. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you
2: think were just- there were um, other... There's There were probably other family members and friends who noticed these people's disappearance, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm surprised like actually that the Chameleon Tour booth
0: wasn't besieged by angry <laughs> Liverpudlians demanding to know where their offspring stroke siblings were but I guess it's only Sam who really cared. It wasn't Brian's yeah. parents
1: that were looking for him. It was Brian's sister Sam who was looking for him.
0: Exactly. So, so yeah. So Brian's parents were like, oh, "I don't care. He's, <laughs> well, he's probably in Zurich."
1: It was the '60s. It's the '60s. Yeah. We do got you... a postcard from him. What more do you want? There you
0: go. Exactly. So he's yeah. He's probably he's probably in Afghanistan by now, <laughs> on his way to an ashram in Kashmir mm-hmm. with the rest mm-hmm. of the Beatles. Yep. we don't I, care. I think he's dead to us. He's a liver indeed hooking
1: up with the beatles in yeah. in India
0: yeah exactly yep. yeah yeah with george uh, George Harrison and the gang
1: yeah as a sixties document, I think it works pretty well for mm-hmm. in and out of the airports. It reminded me of the seventies film airport in some ways
0: yeah I mean, I think reading my Doctor Who magazine, apparently originally the story was going to be set in a department store. Ooh, um, like Rose, <laughs> uh, yeah, and also like the Autons as well. In fact, mm-hmm. and but I think they decided it would be cooler to have it be at an airport, and then I think they tried to get it at Heathrow, and Heathrow weren't playing ball, so they ended up being at Gatwick, and that actually made it work pretty well because right. I mean, Gatwick was the kind of was the new, the new airport, mm-hmm. and it was also the airport that was really built to handle charter flights. Um, So flights that were attached to tour companies that were kind of, you know, taking kids particularly to exotic holiday destinations in Franco, Spain or, you know, Zurich. So it actually kind of fitted together pretty well, almost, I mean, maybe a bit by accident, but I think pretty well in terms of kind of a 60s style document. And I think, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it is, I think it's a very, very 60s story. And I think it is another example of who trying to be contemporary, I just think it's fascinating that, you know, the next episode, they just kind of whiplash, they just kind of throw it all away and have Victoria, um, which it actually also actually works better, really, for me.
1: The 60s aspect or the mean? 1860s aspect?
0: Uh, I think I think who works better when it's when it doesn't try to be contemporary. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly we look at 60s television. You've got so much you've got you know got the Saint and you've got the Avengers um, and you've got all this Adam Adamant, you've got all this trying to be hip stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it's good that sort of who never really was that successful in doing that. And I think Victoria is a great companion. And I think Zoe, who follows on for Victoria, is an even better companion. Um, and And what's great about Victoria and what's also great about Zoe is that they have a 60s feel to them. So Victoria has a, you know, a kind of Carnaby Street, that kind of faux-Victoriana that was very kind of 1960s. And then with Zoe, the fact that she's, you know, an empowered mathematical genius with an incredibly funky wardrobe kind of makes her more 60s than a kind of, you know, a Sam from Liverpool
1: would be. Yeah. So of the three 60s companions for, for Troughton, Polly, Victoria, and Zoe you're you you're of the opinion then that Zoe is probably the most successful. Zoe's yeah? the best.
0: Yeah, Zoe's the best. I mean the, I mean, the great thing about Polly though is that, you know, Annika Wills was a kind of 60s icon. I mean, she wasn't Twiggy level mm-hmm. famous, but she's married to Michael Goff and she was all the right parties. And, you know, she actually was a 60s mm-hmm. girl, which kind of making a sort of meta way makes her better, but actually makes her less good because she's not really acting it. She's just kind of being it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. I, mean, I don't know whether I'm right or not.
1: Victoria always reminded me of kind of like a Portobello, yeah, a market girl yeah. who's out there going second-handing clothes, yep. antiques,
0: absolutely, yeah. Granny takes a trip, all that kind of stuff. Um, which yeah. I said makes her more 60s than someone who's ostensibly actually from the 1960s. If you get my meaning.
1: Do you have a preference,
2: Elliot, of the three? Um, well, I like Zoe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it helps that it's so obvious that the chemistry with um, Victoria, uh, Deborah Watling, and then also Zoe, Wendy Padbury. I think the chemistry between those two women and Fraser Hines, you know, who was famously you know a man about town, <laughs> and Patrick Troughton, who's also kind of famously like I've got two wives, right. um, man about town. I think the chemistry between all those people was so strong on the screen that uh, just really it just really kind of worked basically.
1: Mm-hmm. so if you're going to watch this again or would you go for the black and white to cut down four by three would you go for the telesnaps uh, go for the color again go for
2: black and white widescreen or audio only what what would you guys choose hmm well it's actually four ways of watching it because um with the first disc they have all the black and white episodes like all the black and white animations mm-hmm. all six they have the surviving episodes and you have the option to watch either all animated in Black and White or with the surviving episodes. Uh, they, they have the second disc, which has the color animation all the way through and then the reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I would probably watch it with the surviving episodes. I was really able to get into the invasion in that same way, and it really brought me mm-hmm. into the story. And I, I see this as sort of, of the same s- spirit. I, I really like that they managed to cut them down to four by three aspect ratios so it really fits together Mm -hmm. i think the weirdest way to watch it because if you're gonna would be the four by three animated all the way through okay i mean if you're gonna watch it in four by three black and white you probably want to this those same people would probably want to watch the surviving episodes but i'm just glad they included all the options on there for people to choose yes indeed yeah on Gallifrey base i saw oh yeah i saw people complaining that there were unnecessary options but I think that's kind of silly I mean they did it because people have different ways they like to watch these things and they're trying to give as many options as possible given the space
0: I think there would be a lot more complaints if they hadn't give everyone the options I think it's weird that people oh, we've got too many options <laughs> um I if I watched it again which <laughs> oh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen to be honest um even during the COVID lockdown that we're currently enjoying right but if I were to watch <laughs> it again I would probably watch the black and white uh, version um, with the commentary.
1: Yeah, interesting. I tried to dip into the Telesnap reconstruction, and I have to admit that I really prefer the animation when on this particular mm. release c- compared to the Telesnaps. Now, whether I would go for the color or the black and white or the 4x3 again, I think that's up in the air. I think the only way I would do black and white is if I was looking at the original episodes. And if I was doing the original episodes, then I might consider doing the 4x3, but...
0: Is there... Do you know, if you get the Blu-ray, is there branching?
1: I don't know. I didn't have the Blu-ray since I have trouble playing UK Blu-rays here.
0: Right. I wonder if they do... If they put it into a box set, whether they'll do branching for it. So, you know, you can start... You know, can start off with episode... One is the live action and then branch straight into episode two is the black and white. Yeah. I don't know, but the black and white animation and then go to
2: episode three Mm -hmm. is live action and then etc, etc. Well, I don't know about the Blu-ray, but you can definitely do that on the DVD.
1: Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd watch it again in the black and white, but if beyond that, probably I would just opt for color. This animation definitely is made to be watched all in color. And yeah. The bits that I really found useful in this is when there wasn't any kind of dialogue on the screen, instead of having to read right. subtitles on what was happening, could actually watch what was happening. I really liked the, uh, I'm guessing Rob Ritchie designed, faceless one spaceship up in outer space I really like that I like the whole transition of the space plane going up into it that whole bit of business going on on the screen that didn't require me to read a subtitle I really felt was aided by this animation and it's it's very useful
0: yeah no it's, it's it's good these I mean you know with even though it's probably not my favorite story um I'm glad they made it, um, and I'm glad mm-hmm. I own it, um, and they mm-hmm. should keep on doing it.
1: So, what would you choose next?
0: I would
2: choose Space Pirates
0: Super Mario Nation.
2: Okay. Well, well, I was watching it, I kept getting the feel like, oh, they could just go straight to Evil of the Daleks after this. I could just really imagine them doing that. <laughs> you know, because they have had the characters.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Evil is, is coming down the pike, actually, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a really good seller. I also think Highlanders would be really interesting to see as an animation.
1: Well, I think they have the assets now for for Jamie. The other group has the assets that they're developing for Victoria. So it'd be interesting to see which side they land on who gets the evil of the Daleks because we have Rob Ritchie's Daleks already in right. in, in the can with power. So mm-hmm. I think there might be a little bit of a tussle over which house gets evil for this group if they're going to delay putting evil out and i see evil being one of the later releases my guess this group would go back either probably feeling something like the underwater menace or the highlanders if they wanted to finish up Trouton, or even go back to the smugglers and do a, a swipe at hartnell
2: yeah that makes sense right, for this right. this team they have ben paulie and jamie they to go back and do those you
1: know, I'm, My guess is that they yeah. would save yeah. the Dalek big ones, the uh, Dalek master plan and the evil of the Daleks until the end. And maybe I think it's entirely wishful thinking on my part, but I think they will go back and touch up power for the Blu-ray.
2: Well, I hope so. Think? I, I hope so. Yeah. yeah first episode especially seems what felt uh, just kind of clunky, uh, but maybe it's just because it just doesn't really translate well to animation or... I, I don't know or I heard, read that that first episode was the one they did last in the process oh. Yeah, We will see, only time will tell
1: well, That's about all I have, anyone have any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm good
2: <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: I'm glad they did it all even right. though it's not going to be top of my rewatch list
1: Alright, well thank you for joining us Elliot This was nice to hear your voice on the other end of the podcasting studio Yeah, you're welcome Thanks for having me on And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 153 of the Metabolos 2 podcast. I have been looking for a new face with Ben and Elliot.
0: Uh, And that's what we've been doing. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, I've been talking
1: to both of you, yeah. So uh, until next week, Goodbye. Goodbye.